0: Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit one God amen the gospel this morning is about the Nativity or the birth of Saint John the Baptist and Saint John was <coughs> is considered uh, by the church to be the last prophet of the Old Testament and the first prophet of the New Testament sort of a bridge between the old and New Testament which is why actually the church highlights parallels between him and Christ even if you look at the five major readings the Sundays of kayak they're sort of like lined up to match up together nicely. So we have the Annunciation of St. John the Baptist on the first Sunday, then we have the Annunciation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then the last two Sundays of Keck are the birth of John the Baptist today. Not the last Sunday, but the last day of Keck or the last uh, major reading of Kiak would be the birth of Christ, which we are going to read uh, Monday night uh, in the feast of the Nativity. And then in between is the visitation of St. Mary and St. Elizabeth. St. Ephraim the Syrian actually compares and contrasts St. John and our Lord Jesus Christ. He says the elderly, Elizabeth, gives birth to the last of the prophets, while St. Mary the young girl to the Lord of the angels. And he says Elizabeth, the daughter of Aaron, gives birth to the voice of the desert, while the daughter of David gives birth to the God of the earth. St. John had a very important ministry and a very important period in the time of Christianity. He proclaimed the coming of the kingdom of God. He was just like the prophets in the Old Testament in the sense that he disturbed the people who were comfortable in their ways of life, and at the same time, he comforted the people who were disturbed, who were hurt, who were heartbroken. The people who were righteous in their own eyes, he called them to change. And the people who were willing to confess their sins, he greeted them with baptism of repentance to prepare them for the coming of the Lord. He was actually a really unique person and that he understood that his entire life was about Christ and not about himself. St. John the Baptist is one of my favorite examples of saints to emulate and to look at. He knew what his role in his life was. His role in his life really was to be second fiddle, right? to be somebody's wingman. His, his, his role was to be someone's helper. His role was to prepare the people to receive the Messiah. It's an interesting exercise to sort of put yourself in the place or in the shoes of St. John. If you look at his ministry, if you read about his ministry in the Gospels, he had many followers before Christ began his ministry. Actually, a few of the 12 disciples started out as disciples of St. John the Baptist. And from what we read about St. John in the Gospels, it seems actually that his preaching was pretty successful. The Gospel tells us that all counted John to be a prophet. He had to constantly tell people that he was not the Messiah and that he was just preparing the way for him. Contrast that with our Lord Jesus Christ. He's trying to explain to people that he's the Messiah and people are not believing him. Saint so John the Baptist is trying to say, "I'm not the Messiah," and people are like, "No, I really think you are. You're the Messiah." How many of us would have had the humility to constantly to defer to someone else? After you spend your life, your ministry, gathering people to yourself, to tell them, go. Go after this other person, not after me. He gave our Lord Jesus Christ all the honor, saying he wasn't even worthy to loosen his sandal straps. One of the most famous phrases that St. John the Baptist said when he was confronted with his disciples and said, hey, we're losing disciples to, to Christ. He said, he must increase and I must decrease. His disciples were trying to protect his territory. They were offended when Christ began to have a following with many of the same people that followed St. John the Baptist before. Instead of making St. John upset, it made him happy. He said that his joy was fulfilled by the coming of the bridegroom. We should recognize that it's not a simple and easy thing to say in our lives He must increase and I must decrease. I wish that this is a phrase that we keep close to our hearts in every action that we do. We need to think, He must increase and I must decrease. The whole goal, actually, of the Christian life is that Christ increases in us to the extent that people see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. We should be the icon of Christ in the world. Our lives, the way we speak, The way we act, the things we do, should all lead people to seeing Christ. They should all point towards Christ, not to ourselves. This is especially true when I consider thinking about service. I have to always remember that our goal is not to bring others to myself, but to bring them to Christ. This is why our Lord Jesus Christ said about St. John that he was the greatest to be born of women. St. John lived a life completely away from the world. He did his mission in the world and then stepped back just as quickly as he had come forward. He was happy to see people leaving him to follow Christ. Besides understanding his sort of mission, his his role in the world, St. John had the courage to sort of stand up for what is right. He condemned the marriage of Herod to his brother's wife. St. John, he lived in a time when it wasn't really the smartest thing in the world to say something against the leaders in the country. Right now we live in a time, if I want to say something bad about the president, I can say something bad about the president nobody's going to say anything. That was not the case in those times. This didn't matter to him one bit. He knew he'd be risking his life. But he felt an obligation to let Herod know that what he was doing is against the commands of God. (coughs) His zeal and his courage is what eventually led to his imprisonment and what led to his martyrdom. We should take this example and try to have this same courage. Maybe God is not asking me to stand up to leaders, to the government, but He's asking us to stand up for what's right in our own small world. Sometimes, unfortunately, we lack the courage to even stand up to our own friends or family. A couple days ago, we were in the convent together. We had a retreat and we were talking about how difficult it is even within our own family to say, you know, let's read the Bible together, or we haven't prayed in a while, or maybe we should go to church. What is it that stops us from speaking even to members of our family, our close friends, the people who share our faith? St. John did more than this. He talked to a stranger, not only a stranger, someone who was, had authority, someone who had the power By power over his life. We find ourselves sometimes within our families, within our friends' groups, within our churches, taking the path of least resistance. I don't want to offend others. I don't want people to think something strange of me. I don't want people to come and say, you know, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to be a saint? Just relax. If you don't feel you have the courage or the strength to stand up for what is right to those who are outside of the faith at the very least should do so for fellow members of the body of Christ instead of being stumbling blocks for another I need to be good examples we need to be able to build each other up sometimes all it takes is one person to bring someone back to their senses so that they realize what they're doing is wrong We can be that instrument that God uses to correct someone's way when it's done in love. Instead of simply going with the flow, I have to work against the current of sin and the current of evil. God had a purpose and a mission for St. John even before his birth. Like it says in Isaiah, the Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He formed me in the womb to be his servant. So we see that in the life of St. John that God's purpose in our lives well, His purpose in His life required Him to be different from other people. St. John dressed differently from other people. He wore camel skin, rough clothing. He ate differently than other people. He ate locusts, wild honey. He lived differently than other people. He lived in the desert separately from the rest of the world. St. John adopted a lifestyle that would enhance His calling. We actually have to do the same thing. God has called each of us to a mission in our lives. But I have to adopt a lifestyle that enhances my call. I need to find, for example, that inner desert that allows me to grow in my relationship with Christ. That time away from the world where I can meet God in prayer. That way I can can say the words that Samuel the Prophet says, speak, for your servant is listening. I can hear God's word in my life an answer when I have quiet mind and quiet heart. So many people come to me all the time and they say, how do I know what God wants for me? How do I know God's will? One of the things I say is, are are we listening? Are we listening carefully to hear the will of God? Do I allow time for God to speak to me? Do I read his word regularly to listen to him? I have to adopt a lifestyle that will enhance my calling as a Christian. Just like St. John, I have to keep away from associations or lifestyles or friendships that hinder my path that he's called me to. Am I working so that Christ can increase and we can decrease? Even though St. John understood his call very well, most of the family of most of his family didn't understand it at all. In the Gospel today that we read, what did they assume that you were going to name St. John? They assumed they would name him Zechariah. And he says, none of your relatives are named this way. It's a Jewish custom to name the children after somebody else in the family. Elizabeth is not going to allow this. Zechariah had somehow communicated to her in the meeting with the angel that he's going to be called John. For us, for ourselves, others will often try to put us into their same mold. Call us to act according to their norms. They say to us, no one acts the way that you do. Don't be different. That's why St. Peter warns us in his epistle, in regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. I am sure the family of Elizabeth thought it was strange that they wouldn't name the child after some relative in the family. Like I said, this was a very common custom in Ezra, but the custom didn't matter to Elizabeth. She had clear instructions from God, and she didn't waver. We also have to know that sometimes others may think it's strange what we do, how we act, how we behave as Christians. Why do you do what you do? Why do you wake up early to pray? Why do you stay up late in vigils? Why do you fast? People may think it's strange, these activities that we're doing for God. But like Elizabeth, we should be confident in in following God's will. Zechariah understood this. He explained that he would be named John. And after the nine months of silence, because of his unbelief with the angel, he opens his mouth in praise and in prophecy. We talked about last week about the spirit of Christmas, the idea of the Nativity season is all about praise. And we can see that many, many times in all the readings during the month of Kiak leading up to the birth of Christ. The theme of Zechariah's praise rests on the word visited. He mentions the word visited twice. It doesn't just mean like show up for somebody. It has a connotation. It means to look after, to look towards in order to help or to benefit. So Christ is not like just visiting us like we visit our friends or our family or to go to some social gathering. He's looking after his creation, seeing how far away they have gotten from him. And he wants to help and benefit us. Zechariah's praise gives us a summary of salvation, what Christ came to save us from. He says that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. When people would hear Zechariah, they might be thinking, well, he's going to save us from the Romans. But this praise is actually a quote from Psalm 106. And Psalm 106 is sort of reviewing the history of Israel from the standpoint of the captivity. Talks about how Israel has continued to sin throughout history. And when they sin, God punishes them with captivity. but That He always sends deliverance, even though they don't deserve it. The main point of the Psalm, though, is that it's not about Pharaoh or Nebuchadnezzar. These are not the real enemies of Israel, but it's their sin and their unbelief. Zechariah says in verse 77 that the salvation of the people will be the remission of their sins. So it's not Rome or some other oppressor that's the problem. It's sin itself. And Satan, who is our true enemy. We know very well that Satan is an enemy of God, but do we consider that Satan is our enemy as well? We have to understand that good and evil are not these just sort of neutral concepts waiting for us to simply make a choice. Satan is a roaring lion seeking who he would devour. And it's through Christ that we have this ability to rule over sin. So the message of today is that Christ is coming in order to deliver us from the bondage of Satan, the bondage of evil. St. Cyril of Alexandria tells us that before Christ's coming, we were serving the creation instead of or in place of the creator. Even though our nature was corrupted after the fall of Adam, A second Adam is coming, through whom we can be restored to our first rank. Not only that, Christ didn't come only just to free us from Satan's bondage. We have a tendency to look at salvation negatively, just a release from eternal punishment. This is true, but it's not a complete story of salvation. Salvation is more than this. It's an opportunity to be united with Christ. The separation that was between us, God took down. We're able to reach God, not because we lifted ourselves up, but because God humbled himself to come down to us. We are in the final days before the Feast of the Nativity. There is still time for us to prepare for the arrival of the Messiah. In the Catholic Epistle today it said, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. We can apply this about being prepared to celebrate the Feast of the Incarnation, of the birth of Christ. Have we adequately prepared ourselves? Can we enjoy His Incarnation and have confidence in His appearance or will we be ashamed before Him at His coming? May God prepare all of our hearts to receive the joy of His life-giving birth. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. Amen.